yeah, anyone who wants to, um, you know, start a business and is interested in worker ownership, um, you know, they can definitely reach out to us and we can help, you know, we can send them some links and things like that. Welcome to the Lifelines podcast brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. I'm Marina Aris. And I'm Diane Fenner. And we're your hosts. This is the podcast for book creators, book lovers, and literary ambassadors. Join us each week as we explore the writing life, the art, and the business of creating great books. Here we are today with Lance Arroyo. He is a co-owner at Radix Media, a printer and publisher located in Prospect Heights. Today we're going to talk about printing and publishing, indie publishing, and the art of making it beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, actually, thank you for letting us join you today, Lance. <laughs> we There's are. a little bit of ambient noise because we are sitting in the print shop itself. So behind us, there's uh, three or four different machines. I'll let Lance talk about the different machines. And then on the other side of us is a beautiful garden. And you guys are worker-owned, which is pretty radical. Mm-hmm. Well, is that where you got the name Radix? It actually is. Is uh, it? Yeah, really? yeah. Radix oh. is the Latin root of the word radical. I like that. You, have you been? You've been looking at our website. You've been taking notes. <laughs> Diane's cheating. Diane's cheating. She's, she's good. That's not she's exclusively good. the reason. I mean, yeah, yeah. a lot of the um, posters are a dead giveaway when you see posters that say um, labor is the source of all wealth. You kind of know what world you just stepped yeah, into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guys, hear the printing. Is that printing? What's going on? Is that fireworks? Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> that actually, that's uh, that's our our landlord installing uh, an air conditioner for us because oh, cool. everything's breaking without the air conditioner. <laughs> we, we need some AC. That's cool. I know, I know. All right, um, so guys, enjoy the ambiance. We are. Uh, well, it's a pretty cool little place, sort of tucked in behind a wall. I mean, when you go out front, there's not a gigantic sign saying Radix Media. You have to come right up to the wall and see mm-hmm. the sign. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you don't know what you're going to step into mm-hmm. when that door opens. And indeed, you step into a room with all these machines. Mm-hmm. They almost, Some of them really look like you're going back in time, you know, with little things that are going to be hand-set. Because... I'm familiar with the idea of you know presses just roaring and things just flying off them mm-hmm. and they're entirely automated. Mm-hmm. But there in those machines is a feeling of you know there's a place where your hands are supposed to be and where you're supposed to be arranging things manually. Yeah, we, we do do that. So we have two different letterpress machines. We have a Heidelberg windmill, which is actually more similar in terms of the feeding, at least more similar to. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the offset the offset press. So in terms of like, it is automated. It's got like 220 volts of power actually like running a motor and it's picking up the sheet, sending it through, and then it's coming out the other side. Um, the Vandercook, which is the long proofing press that, which is where we do like the big letterpress posters and things like that, that has a motor that just kind of helps the cylinder move, but it really is like you have to crank it um, with your arm. So, you know, we, we do for handset type, you know, we will use that for um, for personal projects and posters and things like that. We have a lot of uh, larger types, so you know we can never set an entire chapbook or book um, with handset type because we just don't have all of the any. We don't have enough of one letter really. Right. But for big like headline stuff, like to make like a political poster, like we'll we'll do Got that. It. But all of our commercial work um, that we do for people um, tends to that we're, we're doing we're using polymer plate technology, and that just helps it. That just means that people can make a design in the computer. Uh, we set it up a certain way. We send out 
the you know we, we get film made by a service bureau and then when it comes back to us we have a machine that makes the actual plate I'm guessing that you're all union members right we are union members um, we're we're we're, <laughs> we're, 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 a uni- we're a union shop yeah I mean printing is is still a trade that um, you don't you don't have interns you have apprentices and so it's That's le- so it's, great. it's less common now but because it really is a trade you know you're really learning machines and how to troubleshoot with your hands and things like that. So, I mean, for my part, I did apprentice under another small press publisher and printer um, called Eberhardt Press in Portland, Oregon. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, and, and so that's really where I learned a lot. Um, they're not that small. Uh, they're pretty small. It's actually just one person named Charles. But oh, physically small, but I mean, if I've heard of them, then they're not that... Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah they've got... A no- yeah, there's a lot of like, really beautiful stuff they've done. And, right. I mean, they've been around since um, maybe 2005 or so, And huh. but prior to that, Charles had worked at other print shops, and he's been a designer for... I mean, decades. So very cool. Yeah. Now, if if someone wanted to work with Radix, uh, what what would be what's the process like? Do they call you? Do they email you? Do they show up and bang on the door like yeah. we do on the yeah. garage. You yeah, have yeah. To bang on the garage really hard, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah, we're not. A, yeah, we make it. The visits here, are, we're a destination. We're not a place that you just kind of walk into. Um, yeah, I mean, for for print jobs, I mean, yeah, we prefer to do it through email. Um, we have like an estimate request form on our website that just makes. Sh- sure that we're getting all the information we need because if we don't have all the informa- all the right info then we're not going to be able to quote it right and then right. we're going to email you back and say hey can you tell us right. you know some more information and then that kind of just makes it drag on um, but yeah and then um, but, but some people do call us we get a lot of um, personal referrals um, people that we've worked with in the past that recommend us to their you know, colleagues and friends and things like that. So, you know, it's a lot of people email us, some people call and, you know. It seems other, to be pretty steady. You know? Yeah, and other people will sometimes be walking by and be like, oh, I never, I walk by this building like every, because sometimes we might have like the door open when it's not gross out. Sure. And so then people are walking by and say, oh, I never realized that there, right. this it's was in here. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of obvious that you guys have a love of print because everybody's so tatted up around here. It's I know, not, I know. Oh, I've not seen that many tattoos in one space. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it shows that you believe in it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your the book that you published and a little bit about indie publishing. Mm-hmm. What, what, the title of the book is Aftermath. It's an anthology mm-hmm. on loss, grieving and loss. Mm-hmm. So tell us about how you came to that project. So um, it all started with uh, my friend Joaquin. Uh, he wrote a story called um, Beginner's Guide to Goodbye Sex. And so it was a story about... A character going through this really intense breakup and um, it was just I mean Joaquin and I have been friends for I mean he's almost like my brother um, he we've been friends for a very long time so I read it and it had been it had been published like online on thought catalog but you know it was like this is really good like it would be cool to do like an actual like nice like standalone chapbook version of it you know I'll design it nicely and we'll print it or whatever um, but then I just started thinking I was just like well you know what if you had to like narrow it down to a theme what would you go louder. Oh yeah. If you if you had to narrow it down to a theme, what what would the what what would that theme like? If you could pick it in one word, you know. Oh right. And yeah. and he said, well, if I had to think about it, I would say it's aftermath. And so I was like, huh. Well, that's interesting. I wonder. I wonder what else could be done. Uh, what you're other? Gonna, you're gonna have to talk louder to talk over the background yeah, noise. Yeah. We got printing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this stuff is uh, is is over soon. But um, but it got, it's got me thinking like, what else could be described with that word? Um, Aftermath. That's great. Yeah, and what and and it's really great. Yeah, and yeah. so we're just coming up to um, the presidential election with you know Donald Trump 
um, you know, becoming president or, or whatever. And <laughs> whatever. We, I, and we just kind of knew that, um, like, we we've been trying to get into publishing for years, and this is like finally we knew it was like okay, like this is this is a time that we actually need to because there's going to be a lot of voices out there that need to talk about things and not even necessarily directly related to like sure. you know electoral politics but just like just just the environment that's right. that exists you know yeah. very uh you know an anti it's like almost anti-social justice anti you know immigrant anti you know a People lot of things are definitely feeling a change in the in the in the zeitgeist yeah um so you would do zines and you would do uh, very small runs for people who had projects that they were looking for somebody to accommodate. Yeah, I mean, we kind of have always been um, one, one of uh, one of the only shops in New York that I know of that will do like kind of very small runs like that. Um, but in terms of publishing, I mean, yeah, we we did want to put together this anthology with like a lot of different voices. You know, we we paid everyone like a a pretty professional rate. How did um, you find the other writers? So we did an open call last year um, around, um, I think it was around, uh, actually August, I think is when we put it out. Um, or no, it was May, and then they ran until August. Right. That's how you do for this year's <coughs> anthology. Maybe you have to do it. And how, how right. did you do the open call? Was it on, and I know you and I are on Instagram. Did mm -hmm. you use social media? What, what did you do for the open call? Yeah, I mean, we posted it on our website, and then we kind of circulated it on social media, but then it ended up on other sites like Duotrope, and that, that, was a, that was actually a huge one because there's, you know, tons of writers looking at Duotrope right. and things like that. Right. So we did, we, we got around 1,000 submissions. Wow. Um, and we had to... Because we thought we were going to get, you know, 50 submissions and sure. we said, oh, maybe we'll do a zine. But then it became clear that, you know, okay, we're going to have to do a book. And we had to narrow it down to 33 con final contributors. How so. long did it take you to narrow it down and how many readers did you have? Um, you know, Joaquin helped us. Um, uh, Nick's uh, wife, Erin, um, read the poetry because that's her background is in poetry. And then um, that's pretty much the only outside help we had. I mean, we basically, you know, when you're when you have that many submissions and you have like a set of submission guidelines, like obviously anything that doesn't fall sure. within those guidelines, it's kind of it's like a quick, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a quick, quick decision. Yeah, yeah. And you also kind of know within like the first page or so, right? That's um, true. That that's true. you know you don't need to, you know, you either want to keep reading or you don't have to. Right. So, um, but it did take a while. I mean, also because we're not. You know, it's not like we're coming into an office and then just reading all day. I mean, sure. the phone's ringing, we're getting UPS deliveries, we're having right. to print things, cut things, bind things. You know, we're kind of doing, you know, all this other stuff for other people. And then we're also doing this, this you know, publishing project for ourselves. So, Well, um, Aftermath was a beautiful book just from a craftsman point of view. I you. love the illustrations in thank it, you. too. Yeah, we had some really, really idea. talented, really talented illustrations. There's some comics in there, too. Yeah, it's it was a really good. great idea. I do have a request way. for you, though. What's that? Could you make the next one about hope? <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a little bit. I. I. We realized after the fact that we're like, well, our first book. It's a little. Dark. It's a little dismal. But the book does end on a good note. Yeah. The right, right. Have you read the book? Have you read the book, Diane? I haven't read it cover to cover. I mean, okay. the comic that you talked about a second ago, I read, and I did read. Um, excerpts from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we were we were really intentional about um, the ebb and flow of the actual content because we knew how we wanted to start it and we knew how we wanted to end it. And then within that, we kind of, um, you know, we made particular decisions. Of, you know, when, when we were assembling the manuscript, so we didn't want it to be like, 
a bunch of heavy things all at once or a bunch right, a bunch right. of short stories. You know, there's like poetry, you know, right. you're it, trying to break it up. And then the very, up. and then the final story is is a hopeful one. So, yeah. have you got some ideas for what you want to do should you do this again? Well, we actually are doing uh, our next project is actually um, called Futures and that's actually um, it's going to be a series of chapbooks um, of science fiction. So, a little bit more specific than um, than Aftermath, which was, you know, one, you know, an anthology, one book with everything in it. These are going to be released as individual chapbooks, and then we'll do a box set of them next year. Chapbooks are usually for poetry, or am I wrong? You're you're not wrong, but oh, okay. they don't have to be. No, no, they don't have to be, <laughs> and that, I think yeah. that's a great. That's why that's right. one of the thing, reasons I think that this is great. Yeah. That you're, so you know, yeah, I mean, they're around. they're they're much more affordable to do. They're faster to do, um, and they're you can sell them for you know a bit more of a lower cost so that's um that's that's appealing um actually describe a chapbook if you don't mind like in, in regards to how the final output so a, a chapbook tends to be it doesn't always have to be like this because there are some books that are so thin that they almost can be referred to as chapbooks even though i mean a book a perfect bound book is when the sheets are stacked and you know and to form a spine and then glued together with the cover and that's like any look at any book in your bookshelf. That's a, a perfect bound book. Right. You call that a book. Um, a chapbook is generally something that is uh, folded and stapled, or sometimes you will use thread or stitching or something else. So, okay. in our case, um, we are going to you know fold and staple. Like you might see like a zine or a magazine or things like that. But um, but we have a lot of ideas of how to make. How does make it a, a, a prettier object, you know? And, and that's a special machine too, I would imagine. For yeah, we do have a machine that does just yeah just folding that. and stapling. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how so, are you going to get the word out to people? How are you going to do the call for submissions? Well, for this, we've been um, reaching out to certain people directly, but we we do have an open call out right now, um, and if people are interested. What does that mean, though? How do you put it out? Like, well, well, just give us the the blurb for the open call. What is it? Exactly. So uh, the open call. So the 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 topic the topic of the project is called futures, and so what it's going to be is, um, it's going to explore contemporary issues in like a science fiction setting. So basically, you know what, um, you know what in the future, what would you know policing look like, or immigration, or the lack of these things, or you know labor issues, or whatever. It's basically asking people to imagine a different world, and whether that's better or or not better is kind of up up to the person yeah. but you know we are trying to kind of use it as a tool for people to 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 build hope right i mean you know they might say oh well in the future there's like there are no more borders and so there's no immigration and these are the things you know this is how that affects people on like you know sure. on and an everyday no level more oceans, you know so. yeah yeah and here and you know it's interesting too cuz futures is also a, a a term very often used in the finance world right mm -hmm. for a type of investment mm -hmm. so maybe even yeah. one of your yeah that's interesting can be yeah based on monetary like are we going blockchain or not yeah yeah you know yeah there's a lot of different ways it can go i mean people yeah. can talk about yeah, like, you know, blockchain um, technology, I mean, there's really, I mean, like Aftermath, we want to leave it open, I mean, it's a little bit, mo like, more laser-focused than Aftermath was, I think, but this is, in a sense, that it, we're looking for, like, a genre, when, and it's like, more, like, literary science fiction, it's not necessarily, like, you know, super, like, you know, fantasy super world. laser, I mean, and, yeah. it, and it can be, there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, it you sounds know, like it's more like an, it's almost like an invitation to being creative about, yeah, 
how we live. How can we live? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Potentially. And yeah. what? And what length? I mean, how long do you? Chapbooks are usually to... not that big, so. So do yeah. So we're looking. At, yeah. An idea of how many words to submit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything is is on our website. So we're looking basically for you know between um, I think it was between five and uh, ten thousand words. Um, so it'll eventually end up to be, in terms of chapbook pages, it'll probably be anywhere from, you know, 20, 24 pages to like, you know, 56 pages or something like that. Um, which is actually, you know, once you add front matter, back matter, yeah. you know, the paper is thicker, it does end up to be like a pretty yeah. um, solid object. There's actually a similar project, not not in, uh, in theme, but in uh, execution that Akashic Books did with their, um, they, they do these um, chapbook uh, these chapbooks of African poetry, and so they like they print them as chapbooks and they put them in a box set. What we're trying to do is take that format and use it not for someone's personal zine or not for something that's exclusively poetry, but something that is like a short story that you can read, mm -hmm. that you can take into the woods with you and take sure. you know read on the train and not have to like worry right. about you know whether your battery is charged or whatever. You know what I mean? Like just right. something small that is easy to carry that you could finish you know that day, right? Tomorrow, whatever, right? Um, and then we'll just collect them in a box set, so it'll be a little bit more bookstore friendly, and people can get you know collections of them. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but we're excited to. And so you're saying futures is the is is only um, one of the groupings. I, mean, I would imagine you're going to come up with different themes, right? And then well, just have different box sets. Is that what? Yeah, it is? I mean, we'll we'll see how the how the we're just, this is like an experiment, right? With like the actual format. Right. So futures is, is the title of this project, and then each individual story is going to have a their own, you know its own title. Right. And we're going to you know we might do futures volume one, futures volume two. We'll see. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. But um, but we're certainly open to doing other themes in that same way if people you know basically if it if it takes off and people are or, you yeah. know, if that appeals to people, you know. How um, many can you print? How many? I mean, how, 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 how much can you feed the, the masses <laughs> with yeah. a print shop like, like Radix? I'm yeah, just curious. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, in terms of numbers of copies and things like that. Yeah, just uh, let's, let's, let's be optimistic for a moment. I mean, I how think, <laughs> you know, publishing anything is like very like slow returns. And so, yeah. you know, you don't want to print too few copies where your unit cost is really high. Right. But it also kind of sucks to have just boxes and boxes and boxes of things sitting around. So I imagine that we probably will do maybe one to two thousand copies of each of each, you know, chapbook. And where would you house them? Is that uh, an we'll, issue? Um, no? We'll house them here. I mean, I think at, at those quantities, we can we can do that here. We've we've got you know pretty ample shelving and things like that. I mean, aftermath is all housed here. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we. How many do you have printed? Um, well, we did a run of a thousand, and um, we've sold maybe like a third, uh, maybe like a quarter of them so far. So the rest of it. Um, are in boxes here in the office, and then um, there there are a number of copies out. You know, AK Press we, we publishes and distributes, and there's you know there's more bookstores are starting to carry them and things like that. So great. Um, so yeah. So for now, w you know, we can do it, and I think there's a little bit more room, you know, to build up and you know be able to keep that stuff here. But eventually, we may have to consider right. having like a separate space to keep all the stuff in. What would be your favorite kind of work to do and what would be kind of the ideal order that you'd be the happiest to get in terms of, you know, what you particularly like as an individual to work on or what you want to encourage growth in in the industry? I mean, we, we really love working with independent publishers. Um, you know, we love working on books, chat books. I mean, we, we met with someone recently who has been, uh, you know, printing her work through 
um, a larger shop, but they're just not really that. You know, when the larger the shop, the less likely that they'll be able to do like little weird things. You know, like their their machines are set up to do one type of thing. It's gonna right. look great. They know what they're doing, and it's not. You know, it's not like it's no work. I mean, it's still it's still a trade. You know, it's still a craft over there, but. Um, they're just at a much bigger level, and so the the bigger everything gets, like the more, um, you know, the less likely that they're going to be able to do something like very specialized. And so we talked about, yeah. yeah. So we talked about doing like, oh, like maybe some prints will, maybe some sheets will be perforated so people can like tear them out and like oh, put them up and things like that. Yeah, and very cool. maybe we could do like some that. custom die cutting on the cover, and you know, all that stuff takes time and costs money. Sure. But as, if you want but it, but the option yeah. is there. You know, yeah, we can yeah. figure out a way to do it, and that's yeah. really. Um, the benefit of small publishers going with like a, a smaller local print shop. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to compete on price with like the big, um, you know, the big shops and you know the online places doing print on demand. But if you want something like really special and you want someone to like really like walk you through it and, and talk to you about it, it's you know, I think yeah. it's it, I think it's better for everyone to just kind of keep it you know as as local and small as possible. I mean, so going back to my earlier question, it sounds like your, the relationship with Radix begins via online ideally or a phone call and once that happens do you always meet your clients or is this just depending on the project you know for someone who says um i i need a hundred uh four by six postcards um and here's the file you know we send them a proof before we print everything oh, if it, it looks good they come pick up and we meet them then some people want them shipped and so we never meet them right you know it just really depends on the project if it's something that's like Oh, like I'm representing a client who needs to print, you know, thirty thousand of a thing, and then it's like, okay, well, let's meet and talk through this a little bit and see what the expectations are, kind of what what your needs are and what's possible, um, and then definitely with um, with publishing. I mean, we we did. I mean, we ha we have one story already kind of lined up for futures. Um, it's by uh, an author and illustrator named John John Dermot Woods. Um, he started in comics and. Um, did a book called The Baltimore Atrocities, which is published by Coffee House Press. I would really recommend it. If I don't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll write it in the show notes. Yeah, it's very um, it's it's a, it's a, it's one book with one overarching narrative, but it's told in like these these short little vignettes, and then it's coupled with like illustrations. So it took him a long time to do it, and then to lay it out was like you know th there are considerations because um, if you lay it out incorrectly, then you have an illustration that's supposed to go with this little story okay. on like a different page and things like right, that. Right, right, right. So it, it took a lot of care. They did a really great job. Um, it's a great book. So um, what the so one of the first chapbooks we're doing is is a story by him, um, and um, so and for, you know for for things like that, I mean, we definitely did, you know, meet and said you know hey like what. And we worked with him before. We've printed, you know, mini comics and things like that for him before. But we said, hey, like we're doing this project. You know, what do you have that? You know, are you interested? You know, we, we thought of you. And he said, oh, maybe I do have something. I'll I'll send you the manuscript. And Great. we like then talked again. You know, it's very much like with publishing. It's like that's like whether we do it or whether like you know one of the big five does it. It's kind of the same process. You sure. know, you you see you you kind of get introduced to the work. You meet with the author. Right. You have some meetings. You get revisions. Eventually, you sign a contract. You know, it's all kind of kind of run of the mill. But um, but you yourself as when you're acting as a publisher, are you or are you not engaging editors and all of the other designers like book cover designers, illustrators, and all of that? Yeah, we do. I mean, we we. Um, 
we certainly have like kind of a network of people that we can ask for that stuff. I mean, aftermath, we actually did everything in house, including the editing, wow. um, including the book cover design, and you know that's that's not to say that we'll do that for every single project because we know a lot of really um, well connected, like tal talented editors so, out there. So if we're looking for something like very specific, or we want to work with someone very specific, you know that we we will kind of you know get um, get one of those folks to kind of collaborate on the project, but. You know, we try to we try to do projects that we can really you know we're, we're like this operation functions because of the uh, vertical integration, right? Like we don't have to send things out because we can do it here. Like, right. and we're, but we're not going to take things on that are not within our scope. You know, sure. like we're not going to say, oh, we'll print fifty thousand copies of like a fine art photography book because we d we don't have the machinery to do it. We don't have. Um, you know, the cash flow to kind of front that, you know, it's just a, a much bigger, you know, it falls outside of our scope, right? That's like what you find like in the medical industry with like the scope, like a doctor won't sure. do anything that's out of, out of their scope. Exactly. So it's the same kind of thing. I mean, we want to do projects that, that will succeed, you know, we always want them to succeed, right? No one wants to fail or maybe you do it and then you learn, but no one sets out to do that. So we want to do projects that we know we can do affordably with our machinery and with our know-how. Um, you know, a lot of the stories for Aftermath and a lot, you know, obviously there was really no editing with like the poetry except for like, you know, more like copy editing just to ensure that, mm -hmm. you know, is that a typo? Is that how you want it? Is that a straight, you know, punctuation or do you want it like that? Um, with the with the short stories, we did go through a couple rounds of edits with most most authors and they were, um, they were they were happy for that because it really did make the stories better. Right. Um, and in and in one case we did much more work with with the author who whose general concept was important and whose voice we really wanted to include, but it just needed a lot of work and that took the longest. But um, when you say the longest, how long? Just curious. Um, well, it was uh, it was kind of around like a holiday season, so I feel like you know it, it took a, it took longer kind of you know because yeah. of that, but. Uh, maybe like the better part of a month, just oh, kind of okay. like you know, yeah. I mean, good. yeah, they turned around edits fairly quickly, actually. But um, but with each like new draft was like other things to address, and so. But we we finally did get a draft that we were happy with, that they were happy with, and you know, that was really like, that that was really kind of the, the, the editor author relationship, Got you know. It. But yeah. we were also the printer and the designer, so right. we were able to kind of, cool. you know. Yeah, we wear a lot of hats here. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Is there anything you were refusing to do because of content? You know, it hasn't come up, but um, we we definitely would not um, do anything that is promoting just really nasty stuff. You know, right. m you know, yeah. extreme misogyny. You know, just extreme violence, racism. I mean, there's you know that like there there those topics should be talked about, and there's a, there's a way to do them. Um, in, in a way that's thoughtful and is actually exploratory, but obviously, you know, we're, we're not trying to print any sure. advertising, advertisements for fascism right, right, or whatever, you know right, what I mean, right, right. so, we yeah. We get it. Uh, now, the way that I was introduced to Radix was through the Poetry Society of New York. I went to mm -hmm. their uh, spring gala, mm -hmm. and I found your name on mm -hmm. the big screen. Mm -hmm. You were one of the sponsors. How yep. did you, um, how did Radix come to be a sponsor for that particular event? Um, well, we, we work with, um, well, we have worked with in the past with a gentleman named Lucas Hunt, who, uh, do, you know, do you know Lucas? It sounds familiar, but I'm not. Um, so I think he uh, was one of the organizers, or like he was like on the board. He had something to do with like the organization of, of this, okay. or I guess it was last year's poetry festival. Right. Um, he used to run a, um, 
everybody still does, they're kind of on a hiatus right now while he's doing other things, but it's a, it's a poetry publisher called Hunt and Light, and you may have seen some of their stuff around. Um, he has, I think they have like a few titles out, right. um, but he actually started, started uh, an auctioneering business, and so um, that's, that's kept him really busy now. Um, Hunt Auctioneers, they're really great folks, but, so we've done some commercial work for them, we've printed uh, we printed um, a book and a chapbook for Lucas, and then we've done like business cards for him, uh, for the both for the press and for the auctioneer business. Right. Um, so he emailed us and he said, "Hey, like you know, we've worked together. Uh, I think that this is like a really valuable um, thing to offer the community. Right. Like, would you be at all interested in like you know?" What did you offer? I can't remember. I know it was it was like being auctioned. <clears throat> Yeah, so. it was, yeah, and, and somebody won, and they yes. reached out, and they kind of they have work to do. Project, so. right, right. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was just a it was a chat book. It was basically you know something like <clears throat> you know half size, up to twenty four pages. You know, right, print, right. you know, black and white insides, full color cover. You know, sure. I can't I can't totally remember, but right. and I think it was like a uh, hundred copies or something like that. And this is and that's worth like this dollar amount. So basically, Got it. Got it. you know, we donated that, and so you know the person who won. Whenever they're ready, they can kind of. They can right. get their work, you know, printed, and cool. uh, and they don't have to pay for it. So yeah, very um, cool. All right. Well, we're. I know there's the three of you. Mm -hmm. um, as you look towards the future, you know, five year horizon, ten year horizon. Do you have any sense of how you want to grow? And there seems like a built-in tension with grow growth and 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 growing when you at the same time want to maintain. Um, the kinds of attention to mm -hmm. detail and craftsmanship mm -hmm. that seem to be the hallmark of your shop right now. Mm -hmm. So, did you have you guys got any plans for the future, and how far ahead do you look? I mean, we've kind of, um, you know, we we uh, definitely have kind of, um, you know, five year and ten year considerations, um, and then we plan, you know, every year for like the year coming up. Um, you know, I think our our thing is we, we don't want to get so big that we start to lose the personal connection with people. Um, I think that maybe five to six people is like like could be an ideal size for us, just because um, you know we might it just gets very hectic, especially if there are like rush orders we need to print and things like that. So I think that you know if we had let's say like a dedicated like editor, kind of mostly like acquiring and you know doing line edits and things like that. Um, and then maybe an, an additional designer, but you know I, we have to kind of think about what the what that future would look like because you know we're we're worker owned. So anyone who starts here starts off as an apprentice, and then um, after a year can be voted in to become a co-owner. So when when you work here, you're not just working here; you are actually part of the owner of the business. You share the profits, you share the risks. Um, who started it? Um, well, I was curious. Well. It's it's just it's hard to it's a hard question because there's so many like we've we've had like multiple shops kind of merge into one. I mean I started Radix Media in 2010 in Portland as just like me and like a single color offset print shop in my friend's garage. You know, like accidentally I did that. I like did not intend to do that. Um, and then when I I love when that happens. Yeah, and then I, <laughs> and then we moved. You know, my partner and I moved to New York because um, we we're both from the East Coast originally, and um, Radix merged with a. Uh, a small shop that came out of Occupy Wall Street called Occupy. They were doing primarily digital printing, some offset, but primarily digital printing. Um, we merged, and then last year um, we merged with Nick's business, which was called Wasp Poster and Print. Uh, they were in Greenpoint, and um, you know he, he was just a sole proprietor and just I think tired of 
being by him, having to do the work by himself and getting, um, you know, just anxious to collaborate with other people. So, you know, we, we merge the businesses, um, you know, we do business under one, one name, one, you know, federal ID number. Um, and so when people become an owner here, it's like your name really is like on the paperwork. And so anyone that we like get in here, like has to be okay with that kind of. And so in some way it kind of limits us to who we can bring on, but it also in other ways just makes the team really tight because it's like everyone who comes here like really wants to be here. There's no boss. It's like, right, right. you know, you're breathing down your neck. It's yeah. like you're here because you want to be here. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I really like beautiful. it. I like it. I like the entire the apprentices the apprenticeship part of it, and then I, I like the idea that you're all sharing in the in the. But I would imagine the benefits are more than just financial. It's also I I would imagine like camaraderie, having the space, getting each other. Yeah, I mean, talk, shop literally. Yeah, I mean, people <laughs> are happier. I mean, when and there and there are like I mean, I, I would encourage you to look at worker ownership in lots of different industries. I mean, there's like there's tons of worker cooperatives just like us in different industries and, you know, cleaning, restaurants, bookstores. Um, Red Emma's uh, bookstore and coffee shop in Baltimore is, is one such business that are really great. And they just keep growing. They really? keep expanding. Yeah. 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 They're they're really... AK Press, who I mentioned before, the publisher and distributor, they're also worker-owned. So mm-hmm. it's just really, um, you know, it's just really... It's kind of reinventing like what you can do in, in some of these businesses where you don't have to have that intense hierarchy yes. and like the you know the really terrible work life balance and sure. someone who's making like you know four or five times what you make but right. who's kind of making all the decisions. I mean, right. we all make like the same rate of pay. You know, if we have a bad month, we all have to deal with it. Yeah. If we have a great month, we all we'll get to you celebrate. know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's just um, it's not easy and it's you know maybe not for everyone, but. For us at our size and with the kind of work that we do, it's... It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's much beautiful. nicer than having to, to like, hear, work for someone else. Right. Would you, to hear people say that they want to stay small and they deliberately want to enjoy what they do. I like it. It seems like it's a much healthier way to put in a day. Mm-hmm. Would you ever write a book? Um, I, 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 wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put it off the table. I mean, I, I used to write a lot when I was younger. Um, I still kind of write occasionally. Um, it's not really been my focus lately, but, um, but you know, what, what did you, what kind of thing did you write? Do you remember? Um, I mean, I've written some, um, I've written some, uh, essays and I've written uh, like more like, but mostly fiction, mostly kind of like, you know, in like the, the sci-fi fantasy realm kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not something that I've like really done for a long time, but it's not really something I can turn off either. I always have a lot lot of ideas. I think I'm going to be bothering you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see workout in the world. That's yeah, my yeah. passion. So yeah, yeah. I might be bothering you for about that. Yeah. Um, but that, that's yeah. good to know. Well, like to what about what about reading? Do you read a lot? I would assume. Oh, I don't know how much time you have, but I would assume you you're drawn to the written word. Yeah, I Typed do. Word, yeah, I do. Word. I, I do appreciate it. Um, it's uh, I I try to make time. Um, it's uh, it's difficult. I have two kids. Um, and they're both little, so they're both they both demand a lot of attention. I'm sure. I don't know if you have any kids. Play date. I've got four and six year olds. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. Minus five and almost. We'll have two. a play date. We'll bring the books. Yeah, yeah. And we'll let them, you know. The thing is, we live in Flatbush. Williamsburg is not very. We we'll have to meet somewhere in the somewhere well, in the Well, what you need to do I is have meet, meet in Lower Manhattan. Maybe it's, have, it's hard to get to Williamsburg from there. Have your children write a book and then print it for them, and that will induct them into the world of literature in the most personal way. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I they have my kids have tons of cool children's books. I mean, because just because there's just so much 
great children's literature out there these days. Yeah. I mean, way better than like when, when we were growing when, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah, I yeah. didn't feel so. that way at all. Well, come on, Diane. I yeah. read Cinderella. classics. I read Peter Pan by J.M. Oh, Barry, and I read original but works. There are some classics Lewis that hold Carroll up. and you know some. all of the. There, there are some classics that hold up, and then there are others that don't. Absolutely. Um, now we all want to kill Disney. So what do you consider to be wonderful children's books today? Well, there is uh, one part of the industry that is really uh, getting bigger is children's, uh, is like comics and graphic novels for children. So uh -huh. there's, um, there's, there's No Brow Press, and they, have a, they actually have a, an, a children's book. They have like a picture book imprint called Flying Eye Books, and they do, their, their books are gorgeous. I mean, if, if you've been at any bookstore, they're distributed like worldwide. They're based in the UK and they have an office here. Wow. We've done some stuff for them too. We've printed some galleys and things like that. And then there's Toon Books, which is run by Francoise Mouly, who is uh, also the art editor of The New Yorker. Um, so you know that she's got like yeah. good ideas about that stuff. And by the way, she also used to be a printer. Oh, really? I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, she used to, yeah, she and Art Spiegelman had a uh, an offset press in their Soho loft, and that's how that she actually used to print Raw magazine in like the 80s. Oh, that's so cool. I contacted her once about it. She was like, oh, I'm so happy to hear about another printer or whatever. Um, she, yeah, she's... She that two books is a lot of good stuff. I yeah, like first first second books they do graphic novels for, um, you know, kids of all ages ranging from like nice. you know like very small like uh, or very you know early reader kind of stuff, mm -hmm. right on through, like bigger graphic novels. So there's that, and then there's you know um, there's like Cricket Media who makes uh, magazines for children of all different age groups. I don't know if you've ever seen. You're gonna that. have to set me up with this because I have to expose my kids to. Do you know about the, to, I don't know. Oh, I, I can I can send you I can send you yeah. a list. I'm excited so, with about yeah, Rebel Girls. Have mm, you seen Rebel Girls? Yeah. The Rebel Girls yeah, series. A, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's a good one too. I hope to see more of that. I just feel like the 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 like the political time that we exist in. I mean, there's there are things that are bad about it, but then there are also things that are good, right? Like there are, there is more a, a stronger focus on social justice, on feminism, on you know. Black as long as lives no matter. one messes with our freedom of speech. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Printing, yeah. We but keep, keep exploring. It. Yeah, but you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of. I think that um, there's just a lot of more aware people that are doing like really great, yeah. really great books, and so. Right. And um, parents in particular who want great books for their children, what should they look for? Should they just go to a Barnes and Noble? Should they? Go no, we're gonna to have a sh we're gonna have a list a show on our show notes. I'll, I'll see. It'll if be I can. the Lance Arroyo yeah. best children's books list. I'll, I'll see. I'll see. If I can. I'll have, to, I'll have to go. I'll go home and dig through. It'll be like, fun. Yeah, dig really through cool. what I want. Perfect. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of comics. There's lots of um, uh, actually a friend of mine, um, Inosanto Nagata, does uh, children's books. He did um, a small board book called A is for Activists, which is mm, which is published by Seven Stories Press now. And then his latest book is called uh, The Wedding Portrait, about his time in, in, in Indonesia wow. as a child. It's really good. I'll, I'll be sure to include that stuff. And there, right, there's cool. my brain is percolating now. So <laughs> Great. I'll, hear, awesome. I'll, send you, I'll send you guys a list. Well, we typically end our shows with a, um, a moment to, to do a reading. But since you're not a writer, that's okay. We still want to give you some time to share something that um, is meaningful to you. So you can share with our listeners either the things you give us your top three favorite authors or or you can also end by telling let's say there's there is an ideal apprentice out there for you what would you how would you advise them if they wanted to get into printing like what would be a great you know course of action for them to take if they wanted to get into this 
I think I'll go with that one. It'll be hard for me to choose three, okay. three authors. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, if people want to get involved in printing, I mean, uh, the first thing to do is to approach um, a shop or a printer um, and just let them know that you're interested. I mean, I don't. it doesn't have to be the kind of thing where you just, like, show up and kind of annoy people, like, for, you know, months before they say, okay, well, now you can, like, put the type away or whatever. Well, there you know, isn't, like, like, a test that says, okay, you keep coming, showing up, so yes, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, definitely, like, people, I and mean, that was yeah. def that was definitely how, I mean, I feel like I bugged Charles a lot when I was <laughs> in Portland, so I was just like, I'm really interested in this, and he thought about it, and, you know, he kind of, um, he felt like I was going to be, like, you know, good at it, so he... he but why did you pick him? Why him? Uh, well, we, my, the job I worked for, we, he was our printer for, oh, for okay. other things. Oh, okay. So you had already been exposed yeah. to so I'd already, I'd already yeah. gone to pick up jobs, and I was yeah. like, man, I'm just really, I'd already done, been doing some design and stuff like right. that, so I was like, oh, you know, I'm really interested in, like, how this okay. whole printing thing works, and, yeah. you know, at the time, he was changing shops, and so it wasn't a great time for him, but we did end up linking uh -huh. up, and, um, how, how long was the apprenticeship, or how long should an apprenticeship be, more or less? You know, back in like the old days, an apprenticeship was like five or ten years, which in 2018 time doesn't yeah. have to be like that. I mean, sure. the the one I did was uh, was a year, and then I stayed there kind of part time um, for maybe another like six to eight months. But um, the apprenticeship period here is is uh, is one year also. And so. is it? I would assume it's non paid because you're learning a craft, right? Uh, it is paid. Oh, it's paid. Yeah, it is. It is paid. Um, I mean, labor is a big part of what we believe in, and so uh, you know, we don't. Uh, if people are doing like the work, even though they may be learning things, um, we don't want them to be in some situation where someone's just like not getting paid for sure. you know for crazy expectations. So it's not an internship per se. It's, it's not an internship. Like, it is. A, it is an apprenticeship. I mean, you you don't. Owners do get paid differently because there is uh, kind of like a sweat equity buy-in kind of thing. So some of the labor is unpaid, but it, what it's doing is that instead of you, you know, throwing down like cash to like buy into a business, you're just throwing down the labor that we've like already put in, you know, to, to start to start the business. So um, yeah, anyone who wants to, um, you know, start a business and is interested in worker ownership, um, you know, they can definitely reach out to us and we can help. You know, we can send them some links and things like that. Um, it's a great, it's a great way to run a business. Terrific. Well, we really enjoyed this. I think it was certainly not our norm, which is what I love about it. We'd like to explore all aspects of the industry. So we thank you very much for uh, inviting us into the shop. Thank you. The for print coming. shop. We're gonna be writing some lyrics, guys. Yeah. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm sure of it. All right. We'll let you go, Lance. Say bye, Diane. Say bye, darling. Bye, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep bringing you great content. For show notes, upcoming events, and to participate in the Brooklyn Writers Project community, head on over to our website at www.brooklynwritersproject.com. Questions or comments? Send them to contact at lifelinespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lifelines, the books podcast has been brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. Music for this podcast has been provided by Anthony Nuda of Noble Sense Productions.